Hey, I'm Nikki. And I'm Emily. And welcome to That Six Letter Word, a podcast about being 20-something and living with that six-letter word that no one wants to hear, cancer. We are two friends that have lived and are living with this diagnosis, and we have some similarities and many differences. We dive into our experiences as young women, patients, friends, and survivors. Our hope is that this podcast resonates with any person going through any challenge, not just cancer. And we're here to remind you that we're all just people taking life one step at a time and spreading joy as often as we can. Hey, Emily. Hey, Nikki. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I personally am so excited for our guest we have on today. Me too. This is awesome because this is someone who we are also just meeting for the first time along with everyone listening to this and we're really excited to hear her story and you know bring some light to a cancer that we haven't talked about at least not from the person directly so we're we're so glad to have you Lindsay and we're so glad you're sharing your time and your experiences with us of course it's a fun story (laughs) aren't they all god help us (laughs) Lindsay do you want to introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself sure so I'm Lindsay Um, and I am from Western Massachusetts. Um, and from there I had moved to Boston right when I finished college. Uh, and I had been there, um, for, for eight years. Uh, so that was my place. It was like going from, you know, the suburbs to the big city near me, which is actually not that big of a city, but it was big for me. Um, and, uh, So yeah, I had started, um, I joined a finance company downtown um, and that was my first job. I stuck with them, uh, didn't, didn't go anywhere else. Um, and I liked it, socializing, being in a new, a new city, uh, making friends. Um, it was great. And uh, that was, I think it was, yeah, it was 29 um, when I was hit with the challenge. So should I jump into that or how much? Maybe we should restart. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. So, so that's your life leading up to this, right? So then, yeah. What happened next? Where, where did this challenge yeah. end and how did it hit you? So when I was in Boston, I jumped into um, get my MBA at Babson College. Um, and so that was a fun two and a half years going um, on the weekends because I was still working full time. And after I finished that, really excited. I got a promotion at work. Um, and exactly a year later, um, I had a grand mal seizure in the middle of the night, which was really random. I had no idea. And when I actually got to the hospital, they, they didn't know what was going on. I don't remember any of it. Um, but when I did finally wake up, I didn't um, know anything but my name. I didn't know my address. Um, I didn't know my phone number, my family's phone number. It was, it was pretty drastic. I didn't know um, what was going on. I thought it was a dream. Um, and then I was laying, as I was laying there throughout the night and my fiance showed up, then it kind of, I was like, oh, it's him. You know, that's, that's, that's my love. Um, and uh, it slowly started coming back to me, but he was there. I was very lucky about that because um, I could even answer questions, simple questions. 
so that was probably around 1 a.m. Um, and then by 3 a.m. they had um, found the, the tumor um, in my brain. And uh, turns out uh, I have brain cancer. Um, but at first, you know, they weren't sure it could have been something, one that isn't cancerous, but uh, because it was the size of a golf ball and it had like little wings like coming out of it, super creepy looking, um, they figured it probably was. So I wasn't able to leave the hospital. We waited about five days and then jumped into the surgery. Um, so from there, uh, my parents did come down. Um, my sisters, I have three sisters that came from um, Mexico, Florida, Connecticut um, to come and see me. And because, because the tumor is on my left temporal lobe, it was, it was a bit of a challenge because where that, that's located, it actually impacts your memory, um, your ability to focus, uh, just, you know, really important things that we all, you know, didn't realize we had to appreciate throughout our lives. <laughs> and yeah, so when all that started, and I was sitting there for about a week and I was going under for the surgery, they told me I had to stay awake, which was uh, quite the challenge. But uh, I was like, yeah, you know, whatever you have to do, I'm in, obviously. Uh, and so they had me under it was six hours. Um, and the whole process is they, they're asking you questions while they're going in there and tapping around so that they don't remove any you know, significant pieces. And it's, a, you know, they're, they're trying to not take anything that you absolutely need, but um, it turns out it wasn't completely accurate because when I woke up, I, I couldn't really speak at all. Um, and everyone was really concerned. They're like, you know, give it time. You're on medication, you're swollen, like all of that's going on. Um, so even though I vaguely remember all of this, um, pieces do, I do still have pieces where I was like, you know, someone asked me what color the sky was and I couldn't answer. And from there, I, I sat at the hospital for only a week. I thought it was going to be much longer, but it was only a week and I had already started going um, to, trying to remember the name, someone that basically helps you um, learn things all over again, like when you're in elementary school and you're learning words. And it's it, that part I found was probably the most, funnily enough, the, the most annoying piece of it. Um, it's one thing to have a surgery, it's another to wake up and, and feel like you're letting people down by not even being able to respond to them. So I don't wanna jump ahead, but that took, that took about three months every day um, to work through that. But I'd say um, emotionally, I didn't realize how bad it was until after the surgery. Um, my family too, everyone was like, okay, you've gotten through this, you're all right. And a week after that, I finally got to meet with my oncologist. And that's where, you know, they hand you devastating news. Um, and I was like, well, you know, what, what do you, what can you do? Like, what can I do that will actually save me from this? And I don't have to worry about it anymore. And then they make that face like, you know, actually there's nothing that we can do. Like 
we can give you um, chemo and radiation, but it always comes back. And I remember just feeling so confused. And I'm so thankful that my fiance, now my husband, was uh, with me because I think right when she said that, I couldn't hear anything else. Um, and I was, I think at my age, 29, uh, I was shocked that I didn't know any of this before. Cancer in general, um, there aren't cures. Some obviously have um, a more hopeful outcome, but I, I didn't realize that we just don't have cures for this stuff. <laughs> and um, that, that was hard for me. And I think that after I processed that and did some research, um, I was surprised that uh, they didn't give you the simple things, the simple tips of advice, like don't eat sugar. Um, in fact, I was told to you know, go, go home and have your favorite meal, have some, um, have some chocolate, have some, she was just naming. I was like, yeah, that's great. My mom bought me like chocolate chip cookies. They were my favorite. I had like eight bags um, <laughs> and I was just, you know, shocked, um, totally shocked. And uh, from there I had to, that same day, right? She gave me the list of, you know, what's next, chemo, um, radiation, it's like, first of all, what is that? What is it that I have to do? But on top of that, you know, she crosses her hands and she's like, oh, but, but um, make sure that you save your eggs because you might want kids. And th that didn't even, I'm like, well, I'm not, I wasn't thinking about kids, but you're saying I maybe won't be able to have kids. Um, and so processing that, obviously it was very difficult. And later on, I found out that if you do have kids, it could actually cause your cancer to come back. So, I mean, that was after I actually saved the eggs too. So I was kind of like, I don't know if I would have gone through that process, which is quite the process. Yeah, also, oh my gosh. But you actually have to like stab yourself with um, lots of needles. Yeah, we both yeah. froze our eggs too. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, I, I found... I found some humor in that. Like I was taking photos of like, you know, stabbing myself. It's like, look what I can do. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I was able to save eight eggs, um, which is apparently good um, since you're only, I was only given one month to get that done. Normally people I think do two to three months, right? Like if you're trying to have a kid. Probably. We both did it really quickly, but we were both also like 24. So oh. we both did it. I mean, I did mine in like, it was two weeks in and out. Um, but I think that's probably not normal. <laughs> no, that's right. I meant like when people are trying to have a child and they oh, can use them later. Yeah. Um, they usually take three months worth. So two weeks this month, two weeks next month Two. you know what I mean? So you collect as many eggs as you can. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Only because people I work with were like, yeah, yeah. You have to do it two, three months. I'm like, I only had one month, so I have yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> do it once. This is what you get. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. So that was, that was, you know, I always tried to make the, the best out of it that I could, um, which I think helped not only myself, but everyone around me. Um, 
you know, someone, one of my girlfriends came up and she just like, she was crying when she saw me and I'm like, oh, come on, you know, you have to, um, not only for them, but it's really for yourself. You don't want to, um, just be hit with, with tears every time you talked about something, which was every day. Right. Um, at least when you first start and, uh, um, so after the eggs, I got about a month before I started um, radiation and chemo, which actually goes together. Um, the radiation uh, was uh, six weeks long, five days a week. Um, so business days, essentially. Um, while the chemo is every day for the six weeks. Um, and. I was really nervous about the radiation. Um, even though you're only laying there for five minutes, you know, you, you're waiting to get zapped in a really important part of your body. And uh, I, I think that, so the first time I did cry, you know, I walked in there and I was like, this is a bad dream. No. Um, but after a while, I mean, six weeks every day, um, it was easy. Uh, I had made friends there um, because they're about my age and they're doing this for kids and adults, everyone who needs it. And the other part was I needed to coordinate the chemo, um, which was one hour before the radiation, but you also need to take medication to prevent stomach pain one hour before that. So it was quite the, it was coordinating quite a bit every day. Um, and the time was always changing for the radiation. I remember that, just the feeling like if you're late, this is a problem. It needs to be exactly one hour before the chemo. And, you know, they're working with so many different types of people, different cancers. It's, it's tough. Um, but I was grateful to be in Boston because I could walk every day. It's about a half hour uh, to walk over there. Um, so after that, I had a month off <laughs> before, before, uh, I started 12 months of chemo, which is Temidar. Um, so the Temidar was um, three times the amount that it was during the radiation. I didn't really feel it during the radiation, but I definitely felt it afterwards, obviously quite a bit more. Um, and it continued the five days a week each month. So I'd, I'd say I felt it in my body, um, probably two weeks of that month because it, the, the recovery took a while and it just kept getting, you know, more and more challenging um, as I went on. But I was really grateful to still have my hair, some of it anyway, um, where the radiation hit, um, it, it uh, removes your hair over time. Um, and it's based on the locations that they're targeting. So most of it was on my left side some in the back and a little bit in the front. So I, I saved the right hand side, just wore like a, a little braid or something to make it work. Um, and over that, over this period, I wasn't back at work. Um, initially, I really wanted to jump right back into work. I had so many colleagues coming to visit me, but you know, I had to uh, accept that I was going, it was going to take a long time for me to gain my ability to speak and remember, I mean, I was in client service and sales, so it's not really something I can jump into when it was uh, 
it was the very important piece that was removed from my body. And I loved to joke about that too. Like, you know, one year ago I went and grabbed my MBA and then this tumor decided to remove everything I learned there. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was a funny joke for a while. Um, for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it still is a good one. I mean, um, but, but yeah, I think that short-term disability, you know, it's pretty standard. And then they, they uh, ask if you're ready to go back and I wasn't and I think at that point I wasn't you know kicking myself for not being able to go back um, if anything you're given more time to really think about what it is that you want like why did this happen to me I think everybody asks themselves that like how could this happen to me I was exercising every day I was eating healthy um, I was I was always concerned that I would be healthy. You know, no one in my family had cancer, I'm sure. And I know a lot of people have that same, that same situation um, where you're just not sure how something like this could have happened to you. And wasting our time thinking like that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for the doctors and it really doesn't do anything for us either. Um, so I, I decided that it was okay if I didn't go back into finance. Um, and to this day, um, I'm mostly spending my time doing things that I feel will help me get through this. Um, aside from lots of research on food uh, and exercise and all of that, um, meditation is huge. I didn't know, I didn't know how amazing meditation can be. I wasn't like that before. I mean, I was like the gym girl. I'd go to the gym for an hour every day and, you know, work out, listen to crazy music. And I thought I was cool. Um, but uh, afterwards, I decided to jump into um, yoga, which is pretty deep. I mean, it's totally different from being at the gym. Um, and it really made me stop and think and calm get calm in this way that I didn't even know existed. Um, so I slowly worked my way into meditation and um, I still have a lot to learn, but one of my, um, my first friend actually uh, with brain cancer, she had gotten me into it. She had the same type um, and she had gone out to a uh, event to really help her like, sing into meditation. And um, she had the grade four and it shrunk after a month. And then after another two months, it was gone. And this is like daily meditation. Wow. It's, it's really intense too, the type of meditation. Um, I don't know if you've, you've heard of him. I can send you um, who it was that we were working with, but uh, it's so important to the point that if you stop, it's, uh, I ended up losing her um, a few months back, um, but I just remember we had the same, we have the same um, oncologist and uh, the oncologist was so, um, so shocked that she had called on a vacation, vacation break, um, called her and she's like, how, how are you making this happen? This is, un this is unreal. I've never seen this before. And uh, she was like, you know how I'm doing this. You know, if you talk to doctors about that, they 
they aren't going to jump at it. They're not like, yeah, you know, I've heard that works. What they've been learning to do, what they've put their lives into is medication. You know, it's not, it's not any option, any options outside of that. So what else can I jump into here? I, I just keep going on. <laughs> I feel like I'm just drifting off into different, <laughs> different parts. No, I mean, first off, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I just have like, so I went through, I won't, won't say like similar, but I also had brain surgery. Mine was, I was totally asleep, all of that. I came out, I had speech loss and it took like three months for me to gain that back fully. But I remember being kind of like, I could understand everything that was coming into me, but I couldn't speak or say anything that I was thinking of. I was strictly just yes or no. And like, I was lucky enough that I had that, but were you, and I felt incredibly frustrated by it, but did you have a similar thing where you were receptive to what people were saying, but you couldn't communicate out? I say it, it's a little bit of both, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that part was like the focus, maybe, um, mm-hmm. or been feeling so overwhelmed. I just, when I'm thinking back into, you know, those initial conversations, I was just, I was zoning out. I'd hear a piece of it. And then, and so, yeah, I don't know, like, was that just me in panic mode and feeling like I'm in a dream? But yeah, even to this day, I think uh, having like focusing, unless I'm really into it, <laughs> if we're talking about us, I'm going to be into it. But I, <laughs> but, um, I think that that was definitely a piece uh, from the surgery. Yeah. Wow. It's, I am the only one here who has not had my brain operated on. And I, it's, it's insane. I thank you for sharing that. Like Emily said, so I know you said you're going are you, you're still in those 12 months of chemo? I guess, where are you now in that journey is the word that we hate, but you know, it's appropriate. No, I finished in um, October of last year. Okay. So you're like five months out from that right now? Yeah. Yeah. And what's the, is it, are you just on watch? Like what, is there anything going on right now or are you just continuing to meditate and eat and, and, you know, take things on your own as much as you can? What have your, what's it look like for you right now? Um, yeah, so they, they're checking, they start by checking you every two months um, and then they move it out after I think a year. It totally depends on the type um, that you have, but I was able to push mine out every three, four months. Um, so my next will be in April. Yeah, so about like a month from now, um, I'll have another another test, which as you both know, going to get a test isn't fun. Um, you feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And then all of a sudden, like the day before you're having a panic attack, um, <laughs> which is at least how I am. Um, yeah, it's anxiety. It's anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of medication, I still do have to take um, anti-seizure medication in the morning and the evening. And I only had that one knock on wood, um, but they, they, at least my oncologist, I don't feel like this has been everyone's recommendation, but she wants me to stay on it. So, so yeah, I'm keeping that going. I don't know. It's kind of up to you, uh, up to you in terms of the person taking it, whether or not they want to put that risk out. But 
yeah, aside from that, I'm not taking, I mean, I'm all over vitamins and eating healthy and research for six months straight. Both I wasn't working and my husband wasn't working. We met at the same company and that's how we found each other. And when all this began and I was on long-term, he stopped as well. So not only were we able to spend and what we're still doing, actually, he's, he's working remotely. So it's really nice. We've just been spending all of our time together and, you know, for probably six months to a year, it was just about researching this illness, cancer in general. There are so many different natural ways to fight this um, that you know, don't really come up when you're at your appointment at the hospital. Um, so, so yeah, lots, lots of that. Um, I'm happy to share with you. Um, one of them, one of the big ones is garlic. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah. I've heard some of these. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You like the garlic one? You eating yeah. it raw every day? You're eating That's it raw? <laughs> yeah. You, you gotta eat it raw. This is, this is for real. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, How can you stomach that? Raw every day. But what you have to do. I love garlic. I think I could probably do it, but I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I, I love it too, but not, I, I was like, that's way too much. I like hold my nose, try to, but all you have to do is chop it up right thin and let it sit for 10 minutes. And then you're going to have it raw, but you can put it into whatever you want. Get some salsa, put it into the salsa, put it into, I mean, I put it into everything and it just adds like a, nice little and I don't like spices either so the fact that I was able to work that in it's every day um, I was gonna say it's also like spicy when it's raw my brother and I used to like challenge each other to eat garlic raw when we were little and it's like spicy because it's so potent yeah I mean it's I wouldn't have it totally alone but um, <laughs> yeah there was this man with like a grade four tumor who's ranting and raving about it um, but yeah research these little things and they have you know, laundry as to why it works. Um, yeah, I mean, it certainly can't hurt for sure. Yeah. My grandpa did the same thing. He had a friend who ate like asparagus juice, like pureed asparagus every single day and like cured this guy's cancer, allegedly. My grandpa ate it every day and it did not cure his cancer, but he did live until he was 93. So, you know, it didn't hurt, we'll say. <laughs> that's awesome. 93. Yeah, that's my goal. I mean, 92 was my initial goal, but, you know, I hear you. <laughs> um I don't think you ever said what type of tumor or you have minus the brain cancer um it's an anaplastic astrocytoma grade okay three. okay good to know um <laughs> I'm just I'm sorry I'm asking you so many questions because like eventually like I'll have to go through some of this stuff um so oh. I know at, at least like when or what I've been told by my oncologist is when I have to have radiation. I have like a mask fitted to my face. Mm -hmm. Did you have to have one of those as well? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I think my chemo, it's, I mean, it's a little different. I don't have to take it simultaneously with the radiation or anything, but I mean, it's just, it's incredible to see that like you have gone through all of this and you're still having like such a positive outlook and you've essentially kind of switched your mindset into like being one of like 
you were so involved in like the corporate life and everything. And then you've realized through this entire experience that that necessarily, if you didn't necessarily want to go back to it. So like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to see that even though you like start down like one career path, you can kind of whatever life throws at you, it's okay to be like, no, that's not my, my path. Yeah. I, I think I felt like, you know, if this happened for any reason, it's to help others. I just started um, sharing that even, even though it is embarrassing to say, you know, I can't go back to work. I can't keep talking to people. I can't keep, you know, that's not fun. Um, But I took, um, I put all my energy into sharing what I was going through my entire Instagram. I mean, it's uh, step after step, what it looks like, what I looked like, how it felt. Um, And, you know, I've made many friends um, through that account that reach out all the time with what to do and what they're going through. Have you felt this? Is this normal? I mean, the long story short, nothing is normal and none of them are going to match identically to the other. But I think it is really nice to um, feel like, you know, someone's there for you. Um, So that's uh, the best that I can do. If I had a cure, obviously that would be awesome. Didn't even, not even a doctor. There you go. (laughs) You know, Um, but I think your big thing, like right now to say um, all of this is going to happen to me, you shouldn't, you shouldn't say that. Like, definitely don't say it. Don't think it. Um, that can actually make it happen. Uh, I truly believe that. Um, and I think that it makes sense, right? You're curious, like what happened to this person? And it's so natural then to, to um, wonder when it's going to happen, right? Like when, when is it going to come back? I mean, I have to fight myself to not be um, thinking that way. Like earlier, I had uh, this tingle in my in my left hand, and I'm like, you know, that that could be a sign of a seizure, right? And you have to just dismiss it and be like, yeah, or or it's nothing, like we used to do, right? Before we were hit with these ridiculous illnesses, we never thought that this was going to happen. And um, I know you guys have heard this a hundred times, but. Uh, I think that the only thing we can learn from that is don't, don't think that way, right? Like, what if, what if nothing happened? What if it never comes back? Like, think of it that way, I guess. That's a big piece of the whole meditation thing. It's huge. It's like, they tell you not to focus on your past. Obviously, you went through it. You you took what you did and you learned from it. And now it's over. And what's today? Like what's happening right now? Where are you right now? Are you happy? Are you alive? Like, how are you feeling? And the thing you can't do, which seems impossible is to not look into your future. Like when will this happen next? What's going to hit me? When, how will I die? Like that's, those are the things that we have to absolutely avoid. And it's totally human to keep doing it. So the idea is perfect, right? It's just like, how do we do it? How do we actually start thinking that way? So I am curious. I mean, you said your your husband has, I'm shifting gears a little bit. Your husband has been with you here through all of this and you met in corporate America together doing this job. How has, has your relationship changed because of all of this? I mean, obviously you both have had different life experiences. So I imagine you've changed in your own ways, but have you noticed 
the way you interact with each other, the way you, you know, go about life. I mean, what has that looked like from the perspective of your relationship? Oh yeah, it changed entirely. Um, before we were, you know, just like every other couple, and I mean, I don't know if every other couple, but we would you know, go out to eat all the time, get some drinks, uh, watch TV, like, you know, hang out with buddies, hang out with friends. Um, and now, I mean, obviously part of this is uh, from the virus, but even before the virus hit us, we were completely dedicated to finding a way to heal, like him by my side. I was so lucky uh, to have him and we weren't even married yet. Um, so, you know, a lot of people just lose the love that they probably really needed, but it totally depends on who you are, who they are, how, how much other people can handle it along with yourself. Like, how can you handle it? Um, so I feel I was very, very lucky to have had him, to have him. Um, because like I said, I was struggling so deeply that I think, <laughs> I mean, just research in general, he was all over that. And it's like, you know, when someone tells you like, this is going to, this is really important. Like take this, like your doctor tells you, if you have this, you'll be okay. Just do it, it almost, I'm trying to think of a good way to say this, like, uh, what is it called? Placebo. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Placebo. Yeah, placebo effect. Yeah, you you know all about that. I feel like not that he isn't intentionally doing that, but if he's reading all of this and he's telling me like this is going to help and it would, it's not like he was actually giving me a placebo, but it also wasn't um, something that would definitely help everyone. So it was little things like research, do this, do that, and I was just uh, so I was never alone. And my parents weren't living near me or anything. Um, it was really just he and I. Yeah, our lives changed because he stood by my side uh, and he wanted to do everything that I was doing. That includes shifting our diets into this ketotarian diet. Um, we stopped drinking altogether, which was, you know, huge for us being in finance. It was kind of like a thing you do every day after work. Um, so I think that yeah, it only improved us. It made us closer than we ever knew we could be. That's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that because I know that, I mean, it's all over the board, right? People have these experiences and get left or leave people or, or you know, there's a wedge driven um, just because of the situation. So it's really awesome to hear that you're able to kind of grow in that. Um, I am curious, have you, so you obviously went into finance, you're someone who's oriented toward math, I would assume, and or talking to people and communicating. Have you always been like research driven? Like, was that your first instinct when this came through, when this information showed up was like, I have to understand this and, and see what I can do? Or was that driven by getting information that you weren't sure was the whole story, I guess? Like, it, have you always been someone who's super research driven and super um, I don't know, wants to know in depth about what's happening around you, I guess. Well, the professional researcher would be my husband. Okay. But in terms <laughs> of um, looking into all of it, yeah, I was all over that. I want to say my instinct was to not do the chemo or the radiation. That's because I strongly feel that, that personally we are able to handle what our bodies, what's happening to our bodies. Um, but, you know, 
it's also just a huge risk, right? If, if you don't get it um, and you're like, shoot, I should have done that. But there are so many questions up there too about, you know, could this, um, could this radiation cause it to come back worse than it was? Like that was a, I had that question before, before it started. Um, like, how do you know? And they're like, well, we don't know. We don't, we don't know. We can't know any of this. And, and so you're basically um, launching yourself out to, you know, fingers crossed, do the right thing if there is a right thing, but to have, to be able to have a conversation with your body, like separate yourself from your body and figure out what your body is telling you, there's going to be no side effects to that. So I think that was a big piece as to why I wanted to just kick it off um, doing it on my own, which being a grade two, that's really awesome. Um, it's really good to have the time to, to think about something other than chemo and radiation. Um, with the radiation, I was devastated because a week before they had sat me down and um, had me meet with uh, several different doctors, one being for um, your vision, I. Uh, your ears, and then also, what was the other one? Anyway, another one, I'll, I'll think of it in a minute, but the, these three different types of doctors where they tell you the radiation could um, cause you to be blind um, or lose your hearing. Um, and I think the big one was being blind, I mean both, right? Like how can you decide? <laughs> um, but during the surgery, they had hit, um, I had lost the top uh, right of both eyes, my vision. So only like if I'm moving my hand down, right when it hits uh, right above my eyebrow is when I can't see it anymore. Like from up, up on the right side of my eyebrow, I'm trying to explain it properly. Um, and then the left doesn't make a difference, right? Because your nose is there. So you're not going to feel it. Um, but the only reason they found that out was because right when I'm like trying to explain what I'm going through, like, oh, it's so weird. You can't, you know, you can't see through the right side. I'm like, yeah, isn't that funny? Like I, my reaction to that was, I don't care. You know what I mean? Once you finish that surgery, you're like, I'm still here, like whatever, I'm going to be fine. Um, but yeah, I have to say two months after that, having conversations with doctors that are warning you what could happen from radiation, you're just you're really kicking yourself. How do you make these decisions? But they also have to say that, right? They have to tell you that these are chances. Um, same thing if you're crossing the street, you could get hit by a car. Yeah, you have to just think of it as, you know, we aren't all here for sure if we don't have cancer. Cancer could kill you, but so can crossing the street. I mean, that's incredibly, like, I mean, it's just interesting in all honesty. And I mean, you put it in the right way. Like nobody knows the risks that they take every day. Like you said, crossing the street, like you, you aren't thinking about a car potentially hitting you or something or something happening to you, but you just, you cross the street and that's kind of how it, it was with like getting out of surgery. You're like, okay, I know that this tumor is gone, partially gone. They've got, they've gone in there and they've done it and I'm alive and I'm thankful for that. But, and I know you touched on it within your story, but how did this affect your mental health and like your emotional state and everything? 
so I think I, I'd say it brought me into a much better place. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, it's kind of like the person who I was before was totally different. It was natural to just, you know, walk around every day, like, you know, life is forever and, you know, I'm going to get upset about little small things that don't actually matter or, you know, gossiping, things like that, where now when that hits me or if I'm presented with something like that, I'm laughing because it's silly. Um, I feel like essentially I grew, I grew up a lot faster than I ever anticipated I would. Um, obviously like how can you anticipate when you're going to grow anyway, but, um, yeah, I think that it was for the, for the good side. Anyway, anything, I think that also my, my family, um, my family changed. It was really nice to see, you know, arguments being set aside and people who hadn't spoken for five years because they were so mad at one another, just like came came together, hugged, you know what I mean? It was, I think there was that piece where like, yeah, I'm laying down, you know, in pain watching it happen, but that was so rewarding for me because you, you can sit there and lecture people all you want, but if something, something happens um, that's beneficial to the ones you love, you know, that you have to pull the positives out of all of this. If you focus on the negatives, you're drowning yourself. Yeah, that's a really profound way to put it. I appreciate you saying that. So I guess one thing I'm curious about, now that you're not going to corporate America, you said you spend a lot of time, you're doing meditation, you're doing research. What else is like bringing you joy these days in quarantine? Not full quarantine anymore, but what else are you up to? What what makes you happiest now that your life looks so different from how it did you know, a year and a half ago? Well, I jumped all over horseback riding which is awesome. I've, I've also moved a couple times now though, because I moved out of Boston. Um, so seeing my family's house in the Cape. Um, and then we were in Canada for a while. Um, so horse, horses in different areas. It's awesome, right? I'm really just hanging out with a lot of horses whenever I can. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Eventually I'd love to have my own. Um, but yeah, that's huge because I hadn't been horseback riding since I was a child. Um, so that, and I have a little uh, Pomsky, um, which, yeah, she's a princess. Her name is Leah Luna. And um, side, sad note, um, I had a Pomeranian um, before she was gifted to me. Um, but yeah, my Pomeranian, he was uh, my dog. First time I got to Boston, um, a little uh, Pomeranian, six pounds. Um, he was like, you know, my longest relationship ever. Um, bopped around Boston together, moving to different apartments. And uh, literally two months after the surgery, we were at my friend's house um, and he was playing with her dog like they always do. The dog accidentally killed him. Um, and yeah, I had to rush him to, to the um, vet in the middle of the night, what are they called? Um, like the vet ER. <laughs> um, and yeah, just ran in there with this little guy screaming, hoping that they could help. I've never screamed that loud. Um, yeah, it's amazing how important dogs are to us, right? It's, anyway, um, that was really hard. It was, it was my longest six, six-year relationship. 
So yeah, he was very much there for me. And I feel like he left, you know, to meet me somewhere in the future. Um, but Leah Luna was a gift from my dad and my husband because they know how in love with dogs I am. I hope you've already had her now. Yeah. Uh, well, we're both dog people too. <laughs> I'm also a cat person, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's got yeah, well, those are cats, and I think we should get one too once we make sure. Yeah, Leah's only um, she's a little over a year now. She's really cute, really Aww. cute. You like the husky side in her too. She doesn't cuddle nearly as much as my Pomeranian Teddy. Um, he was just you know I'd wake up with him on my face, which was really. Cute. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, one of my friends, she has a Pomsky and um you can definitely see like the Pomeranian and the Husky in him. And like I mean he's we call him like a cat dog because he likes to be around his person and then and like his like main people and then he's just like mm, I don't really care for you. <laughs> Better than you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I'm just curious like what advice would you give to those who are going through like a similar thing or any challenge really that they're facing in their lives? I guess I would say that knowing that you're not alone, you know, really helps. Um, and absorbing this shock uh, can take a while, um, but just know that it takes time and also, um, not to accept what the doctors tell you. Don't accept the timeline that they hand you. If you do, then that's exactly how it will go. Um, so I think, I think that that's the biggest part is that you decide what your future is. Don't let your doctors tell you what it will be. Obviously, they're there to help you. There's nothing, nothing more than to appreciate that, but... <sighs> You don't want to stick with what the odds are. You know, you want to be that person outside of the box. Absolutely. And especially when you Google things the first time around. Yeah, you, you can't latch on to that number because it never is good. It never is good. It's a hard thing to face and deal with and, and think about. So we appreciate you saying that because we have definitely uh, echoed that sentiment before. Um, but Googling never does you much good, at least not early on. It's a very scary thing to do. Google the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lindsay, thank you so much. Are there any other like organizations you've worked with that you wanted to plug or anything else that any parting words that, that you wanted to share? Um, well, I'll just have to plug you as they go along. There might be a good one in the future. That's awesome. all. <laughs> and your Instagram, can people connect with you on Instagram? Yeah, for sure. My whole story is there, photo after photo. And you'll see specifically of Teddy, I was just talking about, I was able to bring him to the emergency room with me. So there Aww. he is on the, just kissing me. Yeah, totally. It's, it's worth seeing. Oh man. Well, Amazing. thank you so much for giving your time and telling your story and just being who you are. And we really appreciate getting to know you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, and obviously keep us up to date with anything yeah. <laughs> going on. You too, please keep me posted. We will. We're, we're internet friends now, so we probably <laughs> won't see each other in person too soon, but we'll definitely stay connected. Um, 
<laughs> well, with that, thank you again, Lindsay. We're so glad we had you on today. And thank you for tuning in to that six-letter word. We hope you get out there, be kind, spread joy. Get weird and fuck shit up. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. 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 That Six Letter Word is recorded and edited by Nikki Steltenkamp and Emily Sweet using GarageBand. Our song is from GarageBand and our cover art is by Jazz Parker. We'll talk to you next time.